When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into Patriots Beat, episode 305. Your ears do not deceive you. This is Alex Bartham filling in for Mike Petraya this week. He is taking a well-deserved week off from Patriots and all things CLS. We wish him well, but the show must go on, as they say. So that's what we have for you today. Uh, again, I'm Alex Barth. I am joined for this episode by Matt Dalla from 98.5 The Sports Hub. He covers the Patriots and just about everything else for 98.5thesportshub.com. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Sir, good to hear from you. It really is. You know, we go this whole month kind of off doing our own things. Two months, yeah. really. What is it since uh, minicamp? And you kind of get – people are starting to get, I think, ungrounded from football reality, as we'll talk about in a little bit here. You you go off into the Wild West is really what June is in the National Football League. Yeah, absolutely. It's the Wild West at the sports hub right now with every team basically uh in the playoffs going for the title every year. So very busy, very busy. It, it's – you know, it's – Hard to say we get any downtime in Boston, like you said, with all these runs, but, you know, the Red Sox are kind of, I don't know if you've ruled them out yet. I've more or less ruled them out. NBA free agency going on, and the Bruins were interesting, but this is as close as we get, I think, to a downtime. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I don't think you can rule the Red Sox out yet. I mean, it's going to be a lot harder than last year. They're going to have to go to the one-game playoff, but, yeah, I think the All-Star break is about as close as you get to, you know, a completely down week around here, but, uh. You know, it's just uh, around the corner for football, so start so, looking towards that. As we like to see, say at CLNS, the content literally never stops, and when you get to this time of year for football, you sort of need content. So this argument came back this week. This is what we're going to talk about, and I feel like it comes back around this time every year for the last two or three years. <laughs> Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, who's the greater Patriot, and away we go with this, so... Let's let's just get a base rating before we get into it, uh, uh, Matt Dolph. Where is your general consensus? If I just said no qualifier, Edelman, Welker, who are you taking? Uh, no qualifiers, I'm taking Julian Edelman. Okay. And, again, no qualifiers with that because you can and will go down some of the rabbit holes. There's this talk about the playoffs, the clutch factor, this and that. But why do you take Julian Edelman sight unseen between the two? I just, I think he's always been a better punt returner than Wes Welker. He's, he's obviously, uh, you know, he's a former quarterback. He's able to do those trick plays. He's, I mean, I, 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 it's hard to talk about it without bringing up how he does in the playoffs, but I mean, he's just, he's had, he's been a more versatile player and, you know, he's, he's, he's been just as tough as Welker. I mean, the way he fights for extra yardage, I mean, that's the, probably the best trait that either of them have had. And like, I think he's just been closer to like a dynamic number one type receiver. Even though they're both slot guys, I just think Edelman's been 
closer to that upper echelon than Walker ever got. So, I mean, that's why I'd still take him in a vacuum, even if you don't factor in the playoffs. Well, you mentioned the toughness is interesting. I remember the, the cliche about Edelman when, uh, about Welker when he was in New England was when Julian Edelman was a kid, he got hit by a bus. He stood up, dusted himself off, got on the bus and went to school. <laughs> and it's, it's truly Edelman certainly has that toughness factor, but to me, it's a different kind of toughness. You mentioned the fighting for extra yards. Everybody thinks about the play in Super Bowl 49 where he was ultimately ruled down, but he took that massive shot from Can Chancellor over the middle of the fourth quarter, gets back up and runs another 20 something yards. I mean, you know. Yeah, that was like an out of body experience. Yeah, that, he, he had no idea what was going on. He could have been down by a mile. I think he would have yeah. kept running, but with Welker, it was more. You know, Edelman's tough during plays with Welker was it didn't matter what kind of shot he took. He was going to get back up, get right back up and get in the huddle and go for the next play. So I think a lot of this conversation comes down to nuance, which it's funny to think about with how good these two guys were that, you know, it's a different kind of toughness. So you have to get into the playoffs or this and that. You really have to get deep into the minutia to even separate the two, which is a huge credit to Julian Edelman, because like you said, you know, Welker was no first round pick, but he'd been a receiver. He caught 70 mm-hmm. balls in Miami before the year he came to New England. He had some sort of established NFL career. Edelman was the college quarterback. And if you watched Julian Edelman 100% on Showtime last week, it, it kind of hammers home exactly the kind of work this guy had to do to get to the point where he's at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, yeah, Welker was an established receiver when he first came into the league, and then when he got to the Patriots, he just took off. So, I mean, I guess he's had that built-in uh, pedigree that gave him a bit of a, an edge over Edelman, you know, like early in his career. And I, that, I guess that's why Welker, you could say, was more prolific as a receiver. And, I mean, one thing he definitely had the edge over Edelman was durability, for sure. I mean, he played, what, like five or six years in a row. And he did have the torn ACL, which happened to come in Week 17, but the guy comes right back next year. Right. He had one of his best seasons, I think, right after that torn ACL season. I think it was 2010 when he came back from it. So yeah, 80, yeah I mean uh, that, that you can't that discount the toughness for sure, right? And then just you know to to get a little further into it to dig into the minutia, how much do you include? Because some of the argument has been, you know, oh well, Wes Welker he had Randy Moss and Dante Stallworth in the 07 offense, and he had all these weapons around him where Julian Edelman at times, and people seem to conveniently forget Rob Gronkowski when they make this argument, Julian Edelman was the focal point of the Patriots offense for a lot of his career in New England. How much stock do you put into that? I I mean, that's that's the same thing to me. Yeah, that's a dynamic uh, big-time playmaker that compliments you. I mean, it's Randy Moss, Rob Gronkowski, obviously two... So what I'm saying is a lot of players, different positions, but I mean, I don't know. They're both both complimented by like a similar type of... uh, playmaker that's how I look at it so what I've noticed though is a lot of people seem to forget Rob Gronkowski in this conversation and say that Julian Edelman is the focal point of the Patriots offense where Welker was the number two option and I don't know if it's forgetting Rob Gronkowski maybe they're just saying oh he wasn't on the field a lot I think it was what only 17 games in their last four years together you had Brady Edelman and Welker all on the field together but is it fair to say Welker was the number two in his offense while Edelman was the number one in his? Or, or should um, we recognize Rob Gronkowski injuries and all as the number one target in that era of the Patriots offense? I, I mean, that sounds like a recency bias to me because we're going the last game we saw Julian Edelman play was the Super Bowl, and he was absolutely the focal point of the offense in that game. I mean, he was he was dominant. He was the best player on the field. And, you know, Rob Gronkowski obviously comes up with the, the huge catch in the fourth quarter. 
And like he had a, he had a decent playoff, but I mean, obviously he wasn't the same guy and, and Julian Edelman was as dominant as ever. So I mean, I think maybe people are just looking at that one game and saying, well, now this is what Edelman is. He's, he's, he's always been this guy, but I mean, it's really, it's, it's been Rob Gronkowski that's, you know, made the biggest plays for them, you know, so I mean, I don't know. I think it's just, I think they're just looking at the, the last game and, and holding that against Wes Welker, I guess, but I don't know. In both cases, they're, they're like the same kind of, you know, engine of the offense, and they're both flanked by you know like this elite playmaker. That's that's I've always looked at it that way. You know, I right, never looked at either of them as like the you know the number one target. You know, right? And it's tough too because with the Patriots being a game plan offense, some weeks they would be the number one, some weeks the big guy would be the number one. It changes week to week. Yeah. But you mentioned recency bias, and that's been brought up a lot in this too. Oh, we don't remember what Welker did when he was in New England when he. Left when Welker right, he went to Denver, and we were all so worried. How are they going to replace him? What's going to happen? He was such a key cog. Did you think? Did you think at the time what he did? Anybody forget Edelman? Anybody would be able to replicate that? Uh, I mean, back at the, honestly, back in two thousand nine, when when Julian Edelman stepped in for uh, Welker after that torn ACL, and I was it one was it a playoff game? No, it wasn't a playoff game because they lost to the Ravens. But I mean, he stepped right in in that game, and it's like, oh, this kid looks kind of good. And obviously, it took another four years for him to become what he became. But I mean, I don't know that that's just a role where I feel like they'll they'll be able to find someone. And I mean, it, it's, it looks a little <laughs> looks a little dicey right now with Edelman coming back once again, and we don't really know who the next guy in that spot is. But I mean, no, I I, th- I think when they lost Welker, I thought I thought they'd be okay. I mean, and I mean, talk about Reese but It left a bad taste in his mouth when uh, he dropped that third down pass against the Ravens in the AFC title game that season. And then he goes off to the Denver Broncos, and I think that probably sort of hurts his case in the eyes of a lot of people. But um, yeah, I think the people that are they're trying to give Walker, you know, credit in the argument are looking at just how prolific he was for that whatever it was five or six year stretch, and you know, just trying to take all those external factors out of it. But uh. You know, it's hard, it's hard not to hold it against him when, uh, when he left the way he did. And then we're just looking at what Edelman's done just in the last like few years, you know. Okay. So let, let's get into the playoffs then. Cause you mentioned that. And I, I want this to be a, a big point of discussion. Do you think it hurts Welker that there's such a disparity in who he was in the regular season versus who he was in the playoffs? I mean, I don't think it was that bad in the playoffs overall. It's just he, he, it just came down to these. Two huge moments that, like, he just didn't, he came up short, you know. You, you look at the drop and at the end of uh, Super Bowl 42 and the one that I just mentioned, which was the very next season. And, I mean, that, I think, just holds so much weight in people's minds because we're talking about the Super Bowl, you know. And then and then Julian Edelman comes along, and he's, he's like, one of the most clutch receivers we've ever seen. So, you know, I, I, I don't think there was that big of a disparity, but I think those, just those two drops – did so much damage, you know, long term as far as, you know, how, how people will look at him as far as if you're that disappointed over the Super Bowls, if you're not willing to forgive him, even though they've won three ever since. Uh, I think it's just, it's hard not to hold those drops against him. So what do you think that's something that maybe, and I, I know this is a, a massive comparison to make and the gravity's not quite the same, but you look at a guy like Bill Buckner, he got a standing ovation, what, almost 20 years later coming back to Fenway. When we look at, we're having this argument now when Julian Edelman's still playing. He just came off a great year. He came off, he's coming off a Super Bowl MVP, right? It's really easy right now to yep. say Julian Edelman. Do you think maybe when we look back on this in 20 years, 
25 years that the conversation maybe slides a little bit more, little bit more towards Wes Welker because the regular season numbers are bigger and the highlight tape, not the highlight tape, but the play to play tape is maybe a little more consistent, a little more impressive. Do you think that there's a chance that with time, this conversation could slide back to Wes Welker? Uh, well, I think with time, he'll, he'll slide back into, you know, more admiration than I guess he has from a lot of people that might hold those Super Bowls against him. Cause yeah, you'll look at the numbers, you'll look at how incredibly productive he was during his prime years and they were in the Super Bowl mix all this time. And I mean, like the 07 Super Bowl, like, can you hold that against them? I don't think he did anything in that game that, you know, you could really hold against him. And they, they, the offense left that game, uh, left the field with the lead in the fourth quarter. So I mean, yeah, I think I think with with time it'll 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 improve for him. He'll, he'll probably get in the Patriots Hall of Fame. I mean, he's like a slam dunk probably, right, for the Patriots Hall of Fame. So I would think so. The one thing that that would be holding me back, and the one other thing, in addition to the two drops that I think is really hurting him in this argument, is he sort of pulled a Ray Allen. He took comparable money to go to the rival and ended up helping him win a title when he went to Denver in 2013. Mm. And honestly, that was always the issue to me. It wasn't the drops. The reason I had disconnect with Wes Welker as a fan was him going to Denver, joining Peyton, seeing what he did there, and knowing he still could have produced in the Patriots offense when Edelman wasn't at that elite level yet. That, to me, is always what rubbed me the wrong way. And again, I I go back to Ray Allen. That was always kind of, to me, and people talk about Vinatieri going to the Colts, whatever. The Ray Allen of the Patriots, to me, was always Welker leaving in 2013 to go to Denver and join Peyton. Right, yeah. Like I said, yeah, bad taste in the mouth. He has that drop in the AFC title game, then runs off to join the Broncos. And I think he had a good year. I want to say he scored a whole bunch of touchdowns in that year when the Broncos scored like a million points. But, yeah, uh, 10. That was his only double-digit touchdown season because yeah. that was the year Peyton threw, what was it, 55, 53, 55? <laughs> yeah, 55 touchdowns, I think, something ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, Patriots Hall of Fame, I, I don't know. Maybe he has to wait. Maybe Julian Edelman gets in before him. You know, maybe just to, like, it takes some time uh, to put, like, Gronk and Edelman in before they put him in because he never actually got them to the to the, to the the highest point to the Super Bowl win, so... I don't know. I, like, I just feel, I feel time will, will heal a little bit of that. And it will, at the end of the day, we'll say, like, as clutch as Julian Edelman is in the suit, in these Super Bowls, it's like, it's not like he was the, the main reason that they got there or like the main reason for the dynasty or anything like that. Like, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So. Right. I mean, you look at all the pieces around them and obviously Julian Edelman was, you know, one of the best at coming up in the big moments, but. I think at the end of the day, we're going to look at Wes Walker as, you know, one of the more valuable pieces they had, even though he uh, came up a little bit short in the in the most important times. And I think, too, when you look at it on the NFL state, like, you know, neutral observer, I think Welker has more admiration from just the national NFL community, maybe because he played for multiple teams that he put on that show in Denver, too, mm-hmm. in 2013. But I feel like, you know, around here, a lot of people will say Edelman, right? New England fans will say Edelman was better and maybe that's recency bias maybe it's the super bowls whatever but i feel like you know if you turn on nfl network or whatever they're going to talk about they talk about welker as a probable hall of famer where with edelman the conversation it's really split it's really 50 50 when you talk pro football hall of fame oh god talk talk about angry arguments when the when the edelman hall of fame thing came up so many salty national writers when when that <laughs> came up yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I don't know. I think Edelman still has work to do as far as, you know, putting together a pro football Hall of Fame resume. And I don't know. I, I haven't really dug into the numbers that much. But as far as, like, receptions and, and yards, I guess Welker must be up there, right? 
as well, far as like, his error. The, yeah. the tricky thing with receivers is that Lynn Swan is in. So pretty much any receiver you can say has the numbers to be a Hall of Famer because Lynn Swan did not have great career numbers. He really didn't. He's in because he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were a legacy team. Yeah, was, and, he, was he? Did he win all four of those Super Bowls with the Steelers? Three or four. I forget off yeah. the top of my head. But he has, he has the rings. He has the postseason performance. But he's far from the regular season numbers, which is where all the Julian Edelman arguments come from, is that if right. Lynn Swan is in, Julian Edelman should be in. But that's a different era. Let me ask you one more thing on this, and then I want to get into some training camp thoughts. Sure. There is another Brady Binky Patriot slot receiver that kind of gets left out of this discussion, and maybe rightfully so, but – how does Troy Brown fit into this conversation to you? Because let's not forget, he was the first one to do this. He kind of yeah. helped baby Brady get his legs in this league. He's referred to as, you know, Mr. Patriot, the, the ultimate example of the Patriot way. What, what, what did Troy Brown do to get left out of this conversation? Should he be, should it, should it be Edelman Welker Brown and not just Edelman Welker? I think that, yeah, you could consider them like a big three, you know, as far as how they, you know, like, their careers bled into each other, I guess, as the, as the, those, this whole run went along. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, before the Super Bowl this year, I rewatched, uh, Super Bowl 36 when it was on and, and Troy Brown was absolutely money on that last drive. I think I, he had one of the last catches right before the Vinatieri touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, he's a huge part of the, the first run. And I think it's just, I think anyone on offense from those 01 to 04 teams is going to, you know, get knocked down a peg just because that defense was so dominant and, you know, Bill Belichick, the defensive mastermind, you know, shutting down the show and turf and all stuff. I think that's what ultimately they're, they're going to get more credit for over those runs. And then Brady will get credit for, you know, the fourth quarter drives and all that. But, um, yeah, I think that's probably what's hurt in Troy Brown's case is that, you know, he's just in the shadow of the, this, these unbelievable defenses over the years. And you're, you're seeing that with, I mean, with guys starting to get into the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, the team Hall of Fame. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think he should he should be part of that discussion, even though he probably he wasn't like as prolific statistically. But I mean, he, he should definitely be in that discussion. He, he was on. He's a huge part of that offense for the, the first three Super Bowls. It's really it's Brown from '01 to '04. Welker takes over in '07. So I guess yeah, Brown. I guess we, we there's a clear number four in this argument. I guess is Tim Dwight is what we can say oh, for 05 and 06. <laughs> Tim Dwight's the clear number four, and then however you want to do the other three. You can I don't know. Them. This whole this 2001 to 19, right, it's like it's a different universe. It's, it's unreal. It's like – You talk about fans like don't remember parts. anything before. It's like it's like nothing happened before. It's crazy. It's been over 20 years, you know. So it's funny. I was actually – my parents are getting ready to move. I was helping clean out their house, and I found – not a Super Bowl DVD. I found the Super Bowl 36 VHS tape because <laughs> they didn't make yeah. it. They didn't release it on DVD back then. That is how long Tom Brady and the Patriots have been dominating the NFL. Their first championship is on VHS. Yes, yeah, so we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have HDTV. We didn't have anything <laughs> like that. It was it's crazy. We were watching on digital cable, and I thought we had this, you know, this high end <laughs> viewing experience. It was, All right, it was now something. and now they go for year twenty. And under Brady, well, Brady, under Belichick, Brady Belichick, I believe this yeah. is going to be year 19, right? Um, at training camp. What are you, what are you going to be looking for? 20, it's coming out on Wednesday, 22 days from now when we're, we're out behind Gillette baking in the sun. What's like the main thing I'm looking for? Uh, I mean, there's, there's some interesting positional battles. There's some battles that are not deep at all. And then there's some battles that almost, they seem too deep. I think you look at cornerback and I feel like there's going to be an odd man out there. And if, 
they're going to have to let a pretty good player go. That's the, I mean, potentially, or, or it's just let someone go pretty early on, like a Duke Dawson who hasn't really proven anything yet. So, I mean, I don't know. Cornerback is an interesting one to watch. I want to see how the defensive line shakes out. Cause I mean, obviously you went from Trey Flowers to Michael Bennett and uh, we got to see what happens on the other end of that line. I think it's a big year for Derek Rivers. It's a big year for Dietrich Wise and, I mean, we'll see. I I I think uh, Nikhil Harry is obviously a player you want to watch, and I think what was interesting is in minicamp we we saw him go up against Stephon Gilmore on uh, I think the last two days of minicamp. But um, yeah, he 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 had trouble against Gilmore, but he, he was looking dominant against the other guys. I mean, I want to see if he can you know get get a one up on Gilmore, and that that'll probably get a lot of confidence going in him and and us and him. So I mean. Yeah, like, I think Nikhil Harry is one of the top offensive players to watch, but I think most of the big questions are, have to be answered around the defensive side. Who's one big name? And I, you just kind of threw one or two out there, but but one mm-hmm. big name, one staple from last year who you think might be in trouble, uh, his roster spot might be in trouble heading into camp. Oh man, um, I don't I don't know if trouble's the right word, but I don't know like, yeah, I don't know Jason McCourty maybe or. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like they're going to keep J.C. Jackson. They're going to keep Stephon Gilmore. Um, I mean, I guess you could look at the safety spots. They, they're they trying to fit a Obi Milifonu in there. So, I mean, I don't know if they're going to keep everybody there. Um, yeah, I mean, the Sony Michelle is one you got to think about. I don't know what his role is going to be. Not that he's going to be, like, cut or anything, but uh, the fact that he's not out there yet is a little concerning. And, um, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of guys that uh, – had major roles last year, but I don't see them in really any big danger. I mean, there's a lot of turnover at tight ends. I mean, there's guys to watch there. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to come up with one. Well, all right, let me ask you about about Sony then. Let's say he's not at their day one of training camp, and we're yeah. not totally sure what his status is right now. Scale of one to ten, how ten being freaking out, one being totally calm. <laughs> how worried are you if he's not out there day one? Uh, if he's not out there day one, I guess it'll be like a, a six or seven. I don't know. I'm gonna be a little worried. I mean, the, the fact that it's year two and he's 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 gonna have to what is he gonna have to go under a knee scope every off season? Like it's it's a little concerning. I mean, I, I like I like him as a player. I thought he was he was impressive as far as uh last year, considering everything he went through and he didn't have a training camp last year or a preseason, and you know he was he was, he was as productive as he was at the end of the season into the playoffs, but um. Yeah, that just the longer it goes, the, the the more you go into these training camps, and he he has these slow starts, or he has to go under these knee procedures. I mean, the more concerned you're going to get. So, I think that's it's probably going to end up being a, a good thing that they drafted Damian Harris, even though it was a bit of a, a head scratcher at the time because we had Cordero Patterson running the ball at times last year. So, I don't know. I think it's always good to have the depth. And uh, yeah, if Sony's not out there at the start of training camp, I'm going to be a little concerned. And then finally, I got to get your thoughts on the punter battle: Jake Bailey, Ryan Allen. You got oh, man. <laughs> you know, I'll go with Bailey. You know, it's like they okay. traded up to get him. I know it's a fifth round, but like, still, punter fifth round. They traded up to get him. Like, I just don't, I don't see him letting that kid go. Like, they, I think they signed Ryan Allen to sort of like, you know, the safety net. They know how good he is. But um, I mean, it's just I think they really like Bailey, and if they have to pick one, I think they're going to go with him. Do you think they could maybe get anything for Ryan Allen? Do you think they – like he had that impressive Super Bowl. He had an overall pretty impressive year last year. Do you think he has any trade value? I can't remember the last time a punter was traded in the NFL. It's been – Yeah, you, you brought it up, not me. I wasn't going to say that. But I, <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, we, like we were talking about him like, is Ryan Allen the MVP of the Super Bowl if the Patriots won 
The Patriots won three nothing. Is the punter the MVP? I, got, I, mean, I still I, maintain him and Slater should have been co MVPs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he, yeah, he's really good. I mean, he he had a great Super Bowl. Him and Slater were dominant, really, as a, as a special teams pair as far as field position. And uh yeah, I mean, I don't know how much value he would have. Maybe they could do like a pick swap and they they move up the next year's draft at some part of it. But uh. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they, they knew they had to just sign him because there's someone else is probably going to pick him up. And I mean, I guess they, Bailey must have fallen to them and they didn't think he would be there. So they, they, uh, went up and got him. And I mean, I, I just don't, I just feel like they're not going to move up in the draft, even though it was late in the draft and, and take a punter instead of signing him. They're going to move up and draft a punter and then not keep him. You know? And look, if, if, if any coach in this league is going to trade a punter, it's going to be Bill. Yeah, seriously. Like, he loves football history. There's history for you right there. Yeah, maybe he's, yeah, I'll find someone's like, well, you know, field position's real important these days and you can sell them on that. So, yeah, we'll see. That's, that's, that's going to be one of the, the more interesting battles because Bailey can, Bailey hits absolute moonshots. It's ridiculous. So, uh, it's about as entertaining as it gets for a punter, you know, punter battle. Will we get a, a Felger and Maz mock video for the punter decision this year? Oh God! I mean, maybe. Yeah, I, I, that's a good idea. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to come up with new, like, fresh ideas, so I don't have to like depend on the game, and I don't have to depend on the Patriots winning the game and all that. So, uh, yeah, you'll probably see some training camp videos coming out, and we'll uh, September 1st is probably going to be a big day for that. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm looking forward to that one, Matt. And you can find all those videos on Twitter at Matt Doloff on Twitter, and you can read his work. 985thesportshub.com, 985thesportshub.com. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Patriots Beat. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. All right. I'm Alex Barth for the producer, Mike Alonji, executive producer, Nick Gelso. Mike Petralia will be back next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcasts or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.